In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope that you joined us at the start of the service, at least during the first hymn. Because if you did, you saw one of our teens, Nick, guiding a dove, the traditional symbol of the Holy Spirit towards the church, down 71st Street, and then making the turn onto Madison Avenue to the church doors, doors which are locked for fear of the virus. Nick is one of our teens, as I've said, a head acolyte and a young black man who, in his own words, is a church-going kind of guy. Today is Pentecost, a church kind of day. Fifty days after Easter comes this feast day when we remember the Spirit being poured out upon the disciples and changing them from a tiny band of Jesus' followers into apostles on fire with the love of God and launched into the world to announce the good news of new life made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the beginning of the church, which is why we sometimes call it the birthday of the church. And because of that day, we are here, you and I, 2,000 years after that first Pentecost. The magnificent chaotic reading we just heard of the story of the first Pentecost ends with just the right question. It's the question the church has wrestled with on and off for these 2,000 years. What does this mean? What did it mean to be the church when the church burst through the boundaries of first century Israel and began to include people of different languages and cultures and experiences. The book of the Acts of the Apostles, which begins with that dynamic story with the violent wind and the tongues like flame, is the story of the newborn church wrestling with that very question. Is everyone welcome to follow Jesus? Do people have to be Jews before they can be Christians? What prevents or permits someone to be baptized? What distinguishes the community of Christ from the surrounding culture? They truly struggled with those questions, but their answers always led to greater inclusion and a community that was very different from the surrounding culture. A community where everything was held in common and no one was in need. That community, so compelling and so different that thousands chose to be baptized, sometimes thousands in a single day. Those first disciples, that first church, was given power, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that same power described in the quieter Pentecost story in John's Gospel, the one where the disciples are given the power to forgive sins or to retain them. 
That first band of disciples knew keenly their own sinfulness, all of them having abandoned Jesus in his last hours. And so they always led, as we learn in the Acts of the Apostles, with forgiveness. But, but, as the church grew, as communities of Christians grew around the known world, structure was needed, and rightly so. The church became, over time, an institution. An institution which, which had to ask what it would mean to forgive sins and to retain them. But institutions, unlike a band of newly forgiven sinners, institutions tend to self-preservation. That longing to last also tends to move institutions to cooperate with and even condone the surrounding culture. But as Jesus knew, and as we know too, the cultures in which we live and move and have our being come with deeply embedded sins. This week, two names appeared in news stories and obituaries that I did not expect to see. Two men who on the surface had very little in common, but two men with, I believe, much to teach us. The first was Larry Kramer, one of the founders of the gay men's health crisis and one of the leaders of ACT UP, which stands for the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. Though I love the fact that they came up with the name ACT UP before they came up with words to explain what it meant. The other name, of course, was George Floyd a man who lived in Minneapolis and had recently lost his job due to the pandemic. If you were alive during the start of the AIDS pandemic, or a dedicated theatergoer, for Larry Kramer also wrote the play The Normal Heart, you know who Larry Kramer was. Were it not for several minutes of excruciating cell phone video, capturing the actions of a police officer that killed George Floyd, you and I would have absolutely no reason to know his name. Larry Kramer died at age 84, having changed the world, including, but not only, the world of medicine, by insisting that the world care about the plight of gay men in the face of a plague that was killing them by the thousands. George Floyd died at age 46, pleading for his life. And perhaps because of that video, and perhaps because of all the unarmed black men and women, boys and girls, whose deaths have been recorded in the last few years, a reservoir of anguish and rage has been unleashed. We don't yet know. What, if anything, it will change. So why do I think we need to remember them both today on the Feast of Pentecost when I have no idea if either one of them ever went to church or any kind of religious service? Because those who are prophets in this world 
whether by choice or circumstance, prophesy outside the walls of the institution. And we within the church, within its walls, are among those who always need to listen. Listen hard. For it is so easy, too easy, to retain the sins of the culture and see them and even set them as norms. Larry Kramer was loud, inappropriate, disruptive, angry, name-calling. He organized die-ins where activists lay in the streets, and his constant reminder that silence equals death, and all the ways he made that clear, for he was rarely silent, upset people, just as he hoped it would. But I have been a priest long enough to know that when the AIDS crisis began, the church, the Episcopal church, was only just beginning to consider whether they could welcome gay people into the full life of the congregations. And we were years away from allowing openly gay men or women to be ordained, let alone married. Next week, Ryan will preach his final sermon as vicar of St. James, and I, along with this whole congregation, am heartsick that he is leaving us even as we cheer his call to be rector at St. Luke's Church. But were it not for Larry Kramer and so many people willing to act up, Ryan would not have been ordained, and his marriage to Dan would not have taken place in this or any other church. And in many parts of the church, that would still be the case today. For too long, we retained the sins of the culture as our own. For too long, the church was, and still often is, the most segregated hour on Sunday. The current COVID pandemic has made it all too apparent that the legacy of racism in housing, economic opportunity, health, and social support has made this a far more devastating illness for people of color than it is for people who look like me and have the advantages that I have. The racism that is so ingrained and unconscious means that the husband of one of our parishioners is asked when he walks their dog if he is the dog walker because he is a man of color. His white husband has never been asked that question. The legacy of racism means that I called our neighbors on Cape Cod because our son and two of his friends, all Latino, all 20 years old, are staying in our house and I knew their age and color might raise suspicion. And the list of unarmed black men and women who have been killed while going for a jog, playing in the park, sitting in their home, stopped during what for any white person would be a routine traffic stop, 
is too long to recite. It is a plague that has, for centuries, killed thousands. For too long, we have too comfortably retained the sins of the culture as our own. But today is Pentecost, and Jesus promised his disciples that he would send his Holy Spirit following his ascension. His Spirit identified both as advocate and comforter. So he did. And a group of guilt-ridden, uncertain disciples became forgiven sinners who changed the world. He sends his Spirit still as both advocate and comforter to keep prophecy alive in every age and to bind up the brokenhearted. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, comes. But not then, and not now, in ways we can predict or foresee. Wind and flaming tongues, protests and anguish. We're going to see our parishioner Nick again at the end of this service. That young black man following that dove, that sign of the Spirit back into the world, into the world where every one of us who claims the name of Christian is called to go, joining Jesus in spending our lives for the sake of the world, the whole world. That is what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen.